we missing a um Chris from last week, but again, I am Harry Wardlaw. Um I guess we're not gonna go into any more details on that. Um this is the Kenton Millsap. We call him LK for short. And this is Manly Mental, you know, the bros podcast. It's the second episode, and we're about to go ahead and get into it. All right, cracking, man. What we got for the first uh for the first topic? First topic, man. What well, we gonna name this episode? Uh, hold on, man. God dang it! <laughs> Through the past lens, man. So, first thing. You got your little light. You got your little. You got your little light. No, nah, I ain't got no light, man. It's just. It's oh, that's just the screen. Other, yeah, it's just my other screen. That's just my uh, other screen, man. I, I was gonna say, okay, he getting serious. That boy got ring light. That thing, okay. <laughs> nah, nah, you know I ain't going that far. I don't think I am, man. I'm, I mean, we both dark enough to probably use one, but you know, my screen light me up. Like if I turn, if I turn my brightness down on my screen, it's over with. Yeah, me yeah, yeah. My melanin be popping. What you mean? Blending in. Oh yes, sir. You know, I, I'm very, very thankful for this melanin, especially during Black History Month. Shout out to Black oh. History Month. Yeah, even though we need more than a month. Bruh, hey, look, I already told, I already told, uh, I told Sharice since coming to America part two coming out next in March. Yeah, Black History Month part two. We'll take March two. We take. Oh, March. oh, I, I fully agree, man. I fully, fully agree. I, I, I'm looking at this like spades. We got one in the possible. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. March That's gonna good. be March gonna be ours too. You feel me? Yeah, we claim that. I'm gonna go ahead and get that out there. We, yeah, we claim in March too. All March, claiming March. Y'all can have man, we'll, we'll slide in the part of April. We just uh, ain't gonna celebrate April Fool's Day. And look, I'm gonna say we might skip April and take May because April, you know, they oh, with the April Fool's blase blase. I don't want nobody trying to play on our top like that. So we're gonna That's skip, true. we're gonna, we're gonna let them have April and then we're gonna back door and we're gonna go ahead and get May. You know what I'm saying? So and we it. already got June because of Juneteenth. Juneteenth, you know what I'm saying? We My 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 month, you know, it's well, we got well, we need we got one national holiday. We might as well go ahead and make it two with you and T2. Might as well. Might, might as well, bro. Yeah, we so yeah, we got a few months coming up. We got a few months coming up, not just not just February. I you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. True, true. Speaking true. That, I gotta I gotta get back on my um uh, my spoken word. I hadn't I hadn't dropped nothing in February and the like past like two Februarys. Or whatever. What what is the eighth? Man, boy, I got twenty eight. Yeah. Boy, I got twenty eight. I might whip something up. You you got time to whip something up, bro. You got about twenty days. You got something. You, know, you got something in the pot, man. I got I got I got a girl holding it down. The one that did the inauguration. She she was on the Super Bowl. She holding it down for you, boy. Yeah, no. So. Hey, that's 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 pure black dopeness right there, man. Hey, she was, hey, that was dope. Like real talk. You know, I even liked the little ensemble. I thought I wasn't gonna like it. When I first started, I was like, hmm, it literally grew on me as she was speaking. I was like, I'm with that. And then she had her pearls on. I'm with it 110%. Yeah, man. It was the whole, it was like the whole thing that like it, it couldn't get any better. Man, you had her and Jasmine Sullivan toward the pool show. Now I, my wife knows this. Jasmine Sullivan, boy, that's my girl. It's been my girl for a long time. Yeah. A long time. Like yep. that's, that's my lady, boy. We we need to get off that subject now. 
Because I still got mm-hmm. bed. I still got to go to bed in there. So let's let's get off this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now. I ain't trying to have you kicked out, man. I'm, Lee I'm don't. Away. I can't help uh, you. You know, I talk to you. I need your bed. Uh, you know, I... <clears throat> You know, I go ahead. Bro, yeah, yeah. You'll be singing that, and then next thing you know, she'll be like right. singing. I'll bust the windows out your Bruh, who you t- who you telling? <laughs> right, so let's go ahead and get to this first one. The first topic, uh, subject we got, uh, mentoring and the importance of having a mentor and becoming a mentor. This is actually a really dope uh, subject for the first subject. I'll let you go ahead and go first, because I got a few things on mine. All right, bro. Uh, I'll just address it with like our community as a whole. Mentoring is something that we are severely lacking. I mean, I even though my dad's not here, my dad was a mentor for so many people, not just people that was just related to us, but just people that he even worked with. Like my dad didn't have, I don't know who my grandfather is. My dad never introduced us to him and uh he didn't really have a relationship with him i mean he knows who he is before he passed and everything but my dad was his own father figure in a sense so he basically had his uncles but they mentored him to an extent but eventually he went to college and he formulated his own ideas and opinions of his own and he said okay he took a little bit of everything he took coming from Natchez, you know, country dude, you know, but he had a brain, a real, and he had intellect. And a lot of his uncles may have kind of shunned him for that, for whatever reason, because they would always tell me, Oh, he think he's Joe college and stuff like that. Mm. Well, that's just them just not admitting that, Hey, maybe I need to change my way of thinking because once I'm, you know, past and, and such, and I'm in another place, in a better place. I got to leave something to somebody else. So we want to basically pass the torch. Mm-hmm. And in that sense, they really didn't do it from a relationship standing point. I mean, yeah, we have men in our family, but when it came to saying, hey, anything beyond hunting, fishing, and, you know, family just- man stuff manly man stuff it didn't really transpire to say hey let's go ahead and set everybody else up for success yeah i mean my dad on the other hand he thought differently he says okay i'm gonna show you what i know but i'm my job is to prepare you to teach me to do something later on Mm. so he mentored of course, me and my brother, because we as kids. So you can't really just say that. You can't say it's mentoring, but you kind of can't. Yeah. You're instilling those values in somebody that you're invested in raising because this is your flesh and blood. But he didn't have to do that for my cousins. He didn't have to do that for his coworkers who were younger than him. Like, I remember him saying, hey, I'm a manager at McDonald's. I got a college degree. I might not like what I'm doing because he was, you know, going through like a few health issues and stuff like that so we had to take what he can give him he's like man i got three kids at home because my mom was pregnant with my youngest sister at the time yeah and i can remember him saying look it's not necessarily about what you do how many people you help but what you can do to improve the quality of life for those few people that you actually touch Mm -hmm. 
So he took and said, hey, we got a guy, even though I'm making this decision, we're going to go ahead and hire him. He just got out of jail. He's trying to turn his life around. And he had to see his child. He couldn't even witness the birth of his child mm. because he was incarcerated. So he's sitting there, look, I'm 21. I don't have much experience. I went to jail for something completely stupid. He's like, you know what? I'm going to take a chance on you. Yeah. Now, my dad told him, we're going to take a chance on you. It's not going to be much per hour, but we're going to give you 35 to 40 hours a week at the time. Mm. That 35, 40 hours turned into almost 50 hours because it's fast food. You need somebody to come in and do the job and be consistent. The guy worked hard. So it's like, man, look, it don't matter if you cleaning toilets, you ain't selling drugs. Mm-hmm. You, you you going home to your kid every single night. Every day. Every single night, you going home to your kid. You providing for your kid. Eventually, the guy had enough money, not just to take care of his kid, but to get himself back in trade school. Mm-hmm. So it was like just sitting there and taking a chance on somebody. <laughs> you're taking a chance on somebody anyway, but if you're willing to say, I'm going to go to bat for this guy and try and learn from him a little bit to say, okay, well, this guy's hungry. He's trying to put food on the table. Yeah. He's saying, I'm willing to do what it takes, but he didn't just say it. He actually I'm did. Yeah. He, he, he came out and said, I'm willing to do what it takes to be successful. Yeah. And it may have not been much to somebody else, but to my dad, that meant the world just helping somebody to set them on the right path. And he was able to do that. That's big. And the thing, I, I don't mean to interrupt you or whatever, but the, oh, thing, ahead, the thing that I like as far as that is concerned is, is what you said that your dad said as far as instead of focusing on how many people, you know, the quantity of people that you could help the quality of the people that you are able to reach and the quality um, of, you know, mentorship and uh, time and care that you can give to people like this big. Yeah, because I looked at it as this is an interview may last 15 minutes. He took the extra 10 minutes to actually try and get to know the guy. Yeah. So, okay, this is what we're going to do. This is how we're going to do it. And he didn't promise him the world, but for him, that was his world. Mm-hmm. Just trying to provide for his child. It's like it was bad enough that I missed the birth of my child. Now I got a chance while my child's still young to say, hey, you're going to know who your daddy is. Yeah, I'm going to take care of what's mine. I'm going to take care of what's mine. I'm going to know for, for a fact that, you know, that's going to be something that I want to do is that, I'm going to be able to say, hey, when I mentor somebody, I want to maybe have that same, I want to have a similar impact. And I've had mentors work with me one way or another. And some mentors, I can actually say, you learn what not to do from them sometimes. And a good mentor is not just going to tell you the successes. They're going to tell you the failures. Failures. Because you'll learn more from failing then you would have succeeding because you haven't had, if you just succeed the whole way through, it's too easy. You hadn't had any hardships to overcome. 
So what can you impart on me wisdom wise if you've never had to run into this situation yourself? So my dad didn't have it all. He'll flat out tell you, say, and I did what I had to do. I was in the military. I was young. I had you. And then a year, two years later, I had your brother. Now I may have had my degree, but I really couldn't use it. And by that he meant was he had a degree in business, business administration, concentration in marketing and management. Now, yeah, he could manage easily all the time. That didn't bother him. But what he realized was that I don't have the, because I got two young kids at home, I don't have the capital to go open that business and run it the way I want to, or I don't have the capital to move my family to another area to where I could actually do something. And I looked at it as, okay, this is him sharing not necessarily his successes, but his failures. And that's not necessarily a failure of him being a parent. That's in his, in his words, as he would say, that's a failure for being ill-prepared. So you can basically manage to do certain things, but you've maximized everything you can do within the scope of your power for that time being. So what I what I noticed was is that he was not comfortable staying stagnant. He yeah. wanted to constantly trend upward. But understanding that you can't financially better yourself when you have two kids at home if you aren't prepared enough because you may have $500 to say, man, I want to invest in this business, but I'm just like Wait, these five hundred dollars. I need my kid need diapers, milk, yeah, or or you need just need to go towards rent, or I need yeah, to, yeah exactly. Put so, on the table. It, exactly. So that was the main thing he was getting at was that you're gonna have to make some strong decisions because fatherhood is not easy, and you're gonna have to fatherhood is not easy. It's only a portion of your life because when you go to your job, some days they're not gonna care what you got going on. Personally, most days they don't care. They want the job done. So you have to compartmentalize whatever you got going on at home. Unless it's a dire emergency, you got to let that. When you get that, when you get to work, man, you got to let that. You got to just compartmentalize it, put it in that little black box. And say, okay, I need to address what I got to here. Because if I can't get this fixed here at this job, I can't elevate my family to get them to that next level, put them in a better situation. Yeah, that's uh, that's one of the, uh, one of the things too that um, I used to initially think when I was in the midst of everything going on as far as my life, especially my my younger years, um, that I didn't have mentors. But I, in hindsight, I always see the different nuggets of information that people either gave to me or the different things that I've seen people do that I said, okay, I'm not going to do that. Or, you know, someone has come to me and was like, I did it like this. It didn't work. I would definitely try and do it another way. Uh, and one of those things was, um, one, uh, one mentor, um, in what used to be teen class at church, um, a man by the name of Tony Rainey. Uh, and he didn't have a easy life growing up by 
any stretch of the imagination. He his story his story is phenomenal. But um, you know, he got saved and everything, and um, it was just one. I wasn't like a bad kid. I was very mischievous. I had a lot of energy. Um, and one of the things he told me is, he said, Harry, you got to know when to turn it off. And I don't know why that simple little nugget of information, I kid you not, it stuck with me. 15 years later, stuck with me so hard, so heavy. And I was like, I don't know why. It, it, it was like a haymaker. And I was like, dang, like, everybody don't want this energy all the time. You know, I can't be in a space to where a job needs to get done and have this, you know, like goofy kid around like energy. You know what I'm saying? Like that energy is definitely welcome in certain places and certain atmospheres. But, you know, it's not it's not welcome everywhere, you know. And so there's that small thing, him telling me, you know, you need to learn when to turn it off or whatever. And then he explained to me when the detail about it, I was like, Wow, this you know that's big. You know, I've had many, many, many mentors, as I see now in hindsight, um, and that's what drove me to be uh, a mentor. The first um, mentorship, if you will, that I did was in Monroe, Louisiana, um, at Carol. Was it Carol High School, or was it Carol Junior High? Ooh, they're gonna they're gonna kick my butt. I, it was a junior high. It was a junior high. It was my eighth graders. It was my eighth graders. And um, I feel like seventh, eighth grade is around that time where you need to mentor young boys as much as possible because I read the statistics on it. Between fourth and eighth grade going into high school, there are more male black males than black females. But going into high school, there are more black females than black males. And when I read that statistic, I was like, oh, no, we need to go, you know, and switch this up some. And whenever I went to that school and, you know, I mentored and not I didn't just mentor. I listened to a lot of the kids, what they were going through, their mentality, their psyche, how they thought about the world, how they thought about life, how, the, how they thought about moving in life. And... um it's really a lot of people are a product of their environment on the front end, but it's also up to people like you, people like me, people like us to take that extra step to mentor these younger kids um, of a younger generation, you know, and give them that, um, you know, like financial literacy. Uh, I call it life 101. That's what I used to tell my kids that, you know, financial literacy as far as, you know, how to pay a bill, um, how to acquire higher, how to acquire credit, how to build credit, you know, um, what what to do as far as whenever you go to school um, and, and post school, how to find a job, how to build a resume, you know, just different stuff like that, that uh, a lot of people in our community um, in at mass aren't knowledgeable of. I'm not saying we're not knowledgeable of it at all, but at mass, it's not something that's taught. Survival, yeah. survival is taught initially. And I'm I personally um was guilty of you know having survivor's mentality all the time, even when I didn't have to survive anymore, you know. 
So that's one of the big things too, that um, whenever I used to mentor, I used to uh, try and instill that into them. You know, even if they were in a point, in a place to where they felt like, hey, I gotta survive, I gotta survive. I also told them, also taught them to strive to get out of a survivor's mentality and get into a victor's mentality. You know, you have, you're the, you're the victor over your situation, over any and every situation up until this point, you've you've been victorious because you're at this point. So once yeah. I tried to instill that into them, you know, and hopefully it stuck on some of them. Um, I also, when I got down here to Atlanta, um, I helped mentor at uh, North Atlanta High School. And it's crazy, I actually hired like two or three of my employees um, at UPS. Uh, you know, after they graduate, it's it real cool. But, um, you know, as far as like, you know, mentoring and the importance of it, I feel like it's, it's extremely important uh, because mentoring comes from a place of, you know, the only thing I'm gonna get from this is if you get something from this. I agree fully, bro. You know, I agree fully on that. And, and I feel like that's, that's really big uh, to me. So especially with me having, uh, you know, a young son and everything now and you know, I have my own family, um, I feel like it's around that time for me to start as soon as I don't want to say as soon as COVID is over. But, you know, as soon as it starts to get a little bit better, as far as um, not more, as freedom, much, more, more freedom so as to do things, some form of normalcy, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. You know, because I wouldn't it's, mind it's difficult right now. Very. Unless you do a a Zoom mentoring, and how effective is that going to be? You know what I'm saying? It, it could be, but it can't. I'll say it with the age range that we feel like we need to target to actually get your message or point across. Zoom would not be the best thing for them. They need somebody that's going to be there physically with them to sit there and listen to them and say, "Hey, I'm here." And some kids may respond to this back and forth Zoom meeting like we're doing right now. But at that age, fourth day grade, like you said, they're very impressionable. You also use that statistic that said we outnumber black women, well, black girls, young women. Yeah. We, we outnumber black young women before high school. But once we get to high school, they outnumber young black men severely because yep. at that age, depending on where you are in the nation, but with our demographic, and in much of these larger cities, that's when a lot of these kids, they start drifting off. They yeah. get in the things that they don't need to be involved in, whether it be gangs, drugs, whatever the case may be. Something, always. They, it, it's something that can stray them away. And that's when we feel like we need to intervene. Uh, and your mentorship, the way you went about doing it, is a bit different about how I did it. Yeah. Now. I've worked grocery retail since I was 16. That was my first job. I was a cart pusher. I had to clean the bathrooms, all type of stuff like that. When I turned 17, they treated me like I was 18. And by that, I mean, I learned how to run a check stand. I learned how to use the pallet jack, forklift. I learned how to do all that. So by the time, basically they were training me to be a manager the entire time I was there. I was the epitome of what they wanted as a true company man. Mm. Now, I may have been 16 at the time. I may have been impressionable. But what I saw was I saw the 
ins and outs of the grocery business from an early age. I saw how retail worked. I saw how politics at work worked. And that's a whole nother podcast discussion. It's in real. That, right, that, that work, politics. work politics is an entire podcast in itself. It is. But my mentorship started, in my opinion, probably when after our first year at ULM. Wow. I came home for the summer. I was like, man, I made it to college. I came home for the summer. I made it to the next semester. I got my new black car at the time. Man, I was feeling myself. Not even going to lie. I was like, man, I felt like I was a self-made man. I'm like, I worked my butt off. I earned a scholarship. I went to college. I'm like, I got through my first and my second semester. And I'm going back for my third. I felt like on top of the world. But what I did notice was I saw a lot of people that were a year or two younger than me working with me and they had no clue what they were going to do when they graduated from high school. Yeah. I said, well, I said, well, man, I said, what are your options? They couldn't tell me any. Now this is male and female. Hmm. I said, well, what are you good at? Well, I'm good at this. I'm good at that. But I'm like, well, what is this and that? You're not, I'm like, are you interested in anything other than looking cute or just hunting and fishing or playing yeah. sports? What is your true passion? And probably out of every 10 men or women at that age, maybe only one or two of them could tell me that they had a solid plan. Yeah. The majority of them were black, of course, but I actually had a few non-blacks, they were white, that didn't have a clue what they were going to do. Like, well, maybe I'll go work in the plant with my dad. I said, well, man, let's save that as an option. Yeah. Let's use that as a best last option right now. You got two years in high school left. You just turned 16. So that means you got the, you just, oh, sorry, hiccups. You yeah. just turned 16. Happens in the 30s. Uh, yeah, just keep rubbing it in, man. You ain't hit 31 yet, but you got a couple weeks. A couple long weeks to but uh, but uh, what happens is, is that uh, the guy really was like, well, I asked him, I said, well, man, what are you interested in? You can go work at the plant. You know, you can go beat your body down as much as you want to. I mean, you, you make a decent living, but look how these guys work. Do you really want to work five, 12 hour days for the rest of your life? I said, man, it's got to be something better. So why don't you find something that you're interested in? Well, you say you like hunting and fishing. You ever thought about doing the work to be a game warden? I mean, I just threw the idea out at him. It's like, well, what about being USDA? I mean, and I asked him, I said, hey, man, you're a country guy. Are you in FFA, which is Future Formers of America yeah. at high school? I said, man, if you're in a hunting and you're in the fishing, I said, and this is thing, these are things you like to do. Maybe you might want to look in that avenue. Yeah. See what type of jobs are out there like that. Find out if you need an associate's degree, a bachelor's degree, or just some type of Volchek training to accomplish something in that field. All mm -hmm. I did was just try and point them in the right direction. And I said, it's disappointing that out of 10 people, only two of them could give me somewhat of an answer interest-wise. I said, 
it's not good. And yeah. the advice I gave that to was a white guy. The black guys, I asked them, I said, well, man, what do you want to do? Man, what are you interested in? The only thing you can tell me, the only thing he could tell me, most of them could tell me is I want to be flashy. I don't, I want to get my mom out of the situation that she's in, but I'm like, okay, man, I get oh, that. Dude. We all want to elevate our mom or we want to elevate our aunt or our grandmother, whoever has raised them. We do want to get them in a better situation. My question is, can you turn something you're passionate about into a profit? That's the question. And that is the million dollar question. We've seen some people do it. We've seen some people attempt to do it. And we've seen some people just try and go for fast money. Yeah. And the ones we see go for fast money, like, man, do you really want to be out here selling drugs? I mean, you're not a dumb guy. You're looking at the fastest way to accumulate money. The, crazy, the craziest thing as far as selling drugs, I, I never have or whatever. Could have. Plenty of times, but I looked at it so weird, uh, and I laugh about it in hindsight, or whatever. I look, I look at it like, let's say if um, if a three five is ten dollars or whatever, ten years ago, all right. In twenty twenty one, you know, and in, in, in so in, in ten years ago is is what twenty eleven. Twenty eleven. Yeah. Right. So in 2011, if that costs $10 and mm -hmm. 2021 is still $10 and inflation in the last 10 years has constantly went up, I'm yep. losing money at this point. Unless yep. I do one of two things, either I raise my price, which I'm going to lose some customers, or I add another product, which is more risk on my life and on my previous business is me selling a level one, a level one drug as opposed to a level two or a level three. True. I looked at it like, I looked at it like that, like really, really young. Cause like I'm big on numbers. And um, I asked the dude who I know, you know, said, I was like, so how much does XYZ cost? He told me how much it costs. I said, how much did it cost like five years ago? He was like, price don't change. I was like, okay. So I saw right then and there, me, I used to want to be, I still have that entrepreneurship, you know, in me or whatever, but I knew the ins and outs as, as far as entrepreneurship. And if you can't upgrade your product or, you know, demand that your consumer pay more for your product because you've upgraded it, then you, you, you will stop making money and or becoming dead at the same time. And that's if you don't go to jail first. Oh, easily, easily. Because this is the thing, man. When you're on the very bottom, like most of these guys, I'm assuming the guy that you talking about was probably on the very bottom. Yeah, if you're still in the streets hustling. Then oh, yeah, 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 you're on the very bottom. bottom. So eventually, it's going to start costing you more to go get this product to go sell. Because yep. guess what? You got to pay everybody off the cost. Of like you said, inflation. and it's a supply and demand. Yeah. I mean, that's the biggest thing that you're going to learn about that. It's the supply and demand. So the way I look at it is, is if you're making the same amount of money that you were making 10 years ago, before you're 30 or 40, then brother, you, you, you sitting in the same boat, same boat, steadily sinking. If I, if I made what I made when I was 20, and a matter of fact, we'll use this as a transition to go into the second subject, which is, 
um, advice you would give yourself uh, when you were younger. So oh, yeah. if I were making what I made at 20 at 30, I wouldn't be able to do a lot of things that I do, like live, eat, feed oh, other yes. people I love. It ain't no, it ain't no possible way, man. Like, there's no possible way. And I had two jobs when I was twenty, probably two and a half jobs. I always had two or three jobs, but it, it's no possible way. Um, but one, one um, of the biggest things I would advise myself to do, um, twenty-year-old me, which is you know, I, I don't know why I just went to automatically 10 years, but younger me, I would say invest, 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 invest. And whenever I say invest, I don't just mean money, but definitely, you know, invest my money into, you know, different stocks and everything, but also invest my time into learning different things um, oh, that, definitely. Yeah. that I used to want to learn or want to know more about, like invest my time into learning stuff and uh also just invest in in people um you know i feel like i i did invest in people to an extent but um yeah i gotta i could have done more or done better at investing you know my time in people as well or whatever so that's that's some of the one of the things that i would tell my my early self uh that you know oh about you? definitely I say uh, the first thing I would tell myself, and we'll stick with the 10 year tank, uh, time frame on that. So that put me at 20, 21, somewhere around there. The, young the, first, the first thing I would probably tell myself is, cause at that point in time, don't take on too much financial responsibility too early. Because had I not taken on a core note, I'd have had my pharmacy degree. Yeah. And that is simple and plain, cut and dry. I, I look at this right here. I did decent my first two semesters. Third semester, that Cardinal was beating me down. Fourth <laughs> semester, it's like, okay, I can still do this. It's going to take a lot of work. But guess what? You still got to, the time that, I'll put it like this, the time that I spent working to try and pay for a vehicle was the time I should have been investing into studying and it may not seem much four or five hours a day and then you're doing this i think i worked five days a week i think wednesdays i, I knew i was off every sunday yeah. and i was off probably whatever day i had a long lab day maybe a wednesday maybe a thursday but every other day i worked most of the time from like three to seven at the local pharmacy because I was a tech in training. So with me being a tech in training, I was not I was not being charged labor per se for the store. I was free labor for them. I still got paid, yeah. but I was free labor for them. So I'm in there trying to absorb and learn as much as I can while at the same time being a full-time student. Yeah. So I'm thinking in my head, hey, that's the part. I said, I'm thinking in my head, hey, I'm busting my butt, but I didn't realize how much I truly had on my plate until it came down to, okay, I got chemistry, I got biology, I got English, alone. math. I said, and I'm looking, I said, man, what the heck was I thinking? And I said, I have no help to pay for this vehicle. I'm having to foot the bill. Yeah. 
It's me. My parents, my parents, I understood I was the oldest of four. The only way I was going to college is if I paid my way in a sense. Yeah. So I looked at it as luckily I fell in the area to where I could get a Pell Grant, but I also earned tops. So I really didn't need to even get a vehicle. I could have just, you know, got an on-campus job and made the minimum because the only thing I really needed to do is pay my cell phone bill every month, probably have a few extra bucks in my pocket just to, you know. When that refund check hit, when they Oh, what? yeah, that refund check hit you balling. <laughs> but, but the killing part was with my refund check, instead of me balling, I paid my car note and my car insurance. Mm-hmm. So I didn't have that extra money so to spend on I don't want to interrupt you, but I say you better than I want to say 99.999% of all college students that get a refund check. Cause boy, they're gonna live like a king for at least a month, two months. They're like kings, you mean? Yeah. You're right. You're right. And it's all fun and games. Cause I'm like, I know a couple of cats that I per- that we went to school with. I ain't gonna put them out there like that. Don't I'm put like, them out bro, there. don't put them out there. Bye. I ain't gonna put them out there. But I'm like, bro, you going right here to NSU, man. I said, bro, I say. So, you know what I'm saying? You got in the NSU, man. I say, dude, your Pell Grant, the amount he got on his Pell Grant was more than I got with my tops. And you staying at home. So I'm like, bro, you ain't got to pay for this expensive meal plan that we got up here. You ain't got to pay for room and board. I say, bro, that's $2,500 to $3,000 that you got in your pocket that I don't. I'm like, dude, you you got all this bread. I'm like thinking in my head, what did you do with it? Ain't man, no, ain't I nothing to show for it. Ain't got nothing to show for it, man. I went about by four, five pad J's. Oh. Took my girl out the red lobster. You know, no, let, let me add I'm that. Like, let me add that to the new docket. Wearing J's. I I'm not against it. It's just uh it's just something. You have to know when people gonna stop picking me after that. Yeah, I mean, they, they probably gonna try and cancel us after this, man. It's but a depreciating I, asset. I'm sorry. It, it's a depreciating asset for somebody who is not in it to sell it. Because now, if you know what you're doing, one of my cousins, her boyfriend, he dabbles in the sneaker business, but he understands, hey, man, he, he knows enough about it yeah. to say, hey, look, if you get a size 14 in this particular Jordan right here and you able to get it, buy it. I'm like, why would I buy a 14? Yeah, I don't wear a 14. Yeah. Well, yeah, that's what he was saying. Think about it, man. Are you a buyer or a seller, bro? Well, I'm going to say it right here. I'm a seller. Yeah. I'm always going to be a seller. He was like, man, you might just think about it, man. You wear an 11 and a half or a 12. That's an average size for a guy with bigger feet. Most people gonna wear between a 10, 10 and a half, and the 11. They mm-hmm. always gonna have them in stock. Yeah. So they gonna make more of them. But that brother that wants that 14, that's probably about 6'2, probably about 250, 260. That's the former athlete. Well, guess what? He gonna be searching for that shoe because he's probably doing security or something like that, getting paid a decent wage. That brother right there, he's gonna pay for that shoe. So you might have spent $200 on that shoe, but guess what? You can sell that same shoe that came out this week. You sell that show, shoe next week for $450. $500. On the 
it was a dude that used to work for me. Um, I was his supervisor. He was a loader. And, yeah. um, you know, I was just doing a positive contact with him and, you know, picking his brand a little bit. And he was telling me about what he do with as far as like shoes. He, do, he does that with different kinds of shoes, uh, J's and the Yeezys and all that other kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, this is a while back. And uh, he was saying that same thing. He was saying the, um, like the bigger shoes, he was saying, you know, 13 and 14s. And he said smaller men's shoes, you know, they don't make them in women's. They say uh, females, females buy the shoes, you know, before oh, I do yeah. it sometimes. And they I was, do. Dang. I was like, dang, you know, I never really thought about that. And it kind of changed my mind a little bit as far as the the whole wearing J's thing. But my biggest thing is not on wearing J's. It's the not being able to afford them and buying them just to have them. As opposed to, yeah. I don't I don't care if you can afford them, bro, go ahead and get them. Yeah. Or you know, if you're buying them to sell them, we're going to get them. But don't let, you know, I'm going to get these J's because, you know, everybody want them and I can get them or whatever. And now y'all got to eat ramen noodles for, you know what I'm saying, a week till you get paid again or two weeks till you get paid again. But your shoes look fly. But your pants dirty and your shirt dirty. I don't even care if it's a Walmart. I don't care if it's a Walmart shirt and Walmart pants. Let, make, let them be clean. If you're going to have some fresh $200 shoes on, your the rest of your wardrobe needs to match. If you can buy $200 shoes, you can buy $100 pants and $80 and up shirt. If you can't buy a complete $500 outfit, don't buy $200 shoes. That's, I agree. that's, I agree my, biggest, that's my biggest spill. You know? My thing is, like, I got younger sisters. They're shoe heads, but they have moderation. And by that, I mean they get some of it from me. So I break it down to them. I say, okay, you see them pair of Jordans right there? Because I took them shoe shopping one time and I showed them. I said, you see these pair of Jordans right here? Yeah. They're like, yeah, they nice, ain't they? I said, go over there and go look at the sticker price. Now, mind you, my sister is almost tall as me. She's 16. So she wears a nine in women's, which is basically a seven and a half in men's. Mm-hmm. Guess what? When you go buy a pair of J's, you paying what I'm paying for J's. Exactly. I'm not buying. She's like, that's $200. I said, I'm glad you looked at that price. Seen it. And Seen I told her, I said, now, let me show you how I shop. I take they, those same Jordans because all Jordan is doing is re-releasing the same shoes in a different, different color scheme. I, I, so, can't even lie. I can't even knock Jordan. I can't. I'm not yeah. knocking them. The business acumen is... I don't know it's if it's him or his business marketing team or whoever his release people is. Genius. But, you know. They are. I'm, I'm going to release the same pair of shoes in a different colors. So I said, yep. okay, I want The blue on the top and the red at the bottom. Yup. So I explained to him, I say, so let me explain something to y'all. And this is another way of mentoring too. Because this is financial savvy. So I break it down to both of them like this, and I explained to them. I said, "Okay, you see that two hundred dollar pair of shoes, right?" I said, "You've been to my house. I got a lot of shoes." I said, "How many pair of Jordans have you actually seen me have?" They said zero, and I said, "Do you know why I don't have any Jordans? Not because I don't like them. I look at the practicality of it. I work five days a week." How often am I going to get a chance to wear a pair of $200 shoes? First off. Secondly, I've always looked at quantity 
and quality. Yeah. So my question is, is there anything wrong? Because you know, you know me for years. Yeah. I got a ton of Adidas. I got a ton of Adidas. So I explained to them, I said, so yeah. that one pair of Jordans, right? I can go get me three pair of Adidas. Once I broke <laughs> it down to them like but exactly. Once I broke it down to them like that, they understood where I was coming from. I say, so would you rather have one pair of shoes that you have to save up to get? They might be the best pair of shoes in the world in your mind. But I say, not only do you got to buy a pair of shoes with them with that color scheme, you got to buy a shirt with it. You got to have the pants go with it. You got to match all this <laughs> together. So yep. I say, when you build your wardrobe, you can start with your shoes. But the way I do it now is that if I can't, if I buy a pair of shoes, I try and stay realistically for me. We both wear about the same size. Yeah. I'm looking for shoes eighty dollars and under. Now I do have eighty dollars and under. I if do I have get, to say this: with us yeah. being in our thirties now, it's uh, it's this thing that I, I I've always had when it comes to spending. It's certain things you got to pay for, right? Oh yeah, so, definitely. Hold on. So one thing that I definitely realized though is is as far as I'm concerned, because I walk miles at work in, in the you know hub that we're in, I will pay the top dollar for comfortability, right? Oh yeah, definitely. So I I recently bought some um I was gonna say some daggum imperialist. What what kind of shoes are those? You got some Steve Madden's. No, not some Steve Madden, some daggum uh Cole Hans. Oh, they comfortable. I got a pair too. I bought two pair of Cole Hans. They're on sale. And, you know, they were 50% off, so I got two for the price of one. But, yep. you know, pay for the bad babies, you know. But these shoes are by far some of the most comfortable things I ever put on my feet. Yep. And um, if if Jay's felt like that, then, hey. Hey. Now. Get your $200 nah, shoe on. Now, one thing I can say is that I did splurge one time, and it was a couple years ago. Tracy McGrady was one of my favorite players. T-Man. The legendary T-Mac. I said, so they re-released a pair of the T-Mac 3s oh, okay. when they had the All-Star game in Toronto a couple years ago, and they called them the Aurora Borealis. So what they was, they was all white. But when you walk outside in them, they absorb the sunlight. When you cut the lights off, they either turn blue. They oh, ain't a lot. <laughs> but if they absorb enough sunlight, they gonna glow either blue or green. You had the option of getting, you can get the both blue or the both green, or you can get one blue or one green. Now, this is something that I wanted. Hmm. I've been wanted. I say, you man, heard? the next time they release these, I'm gonna get them. Guess what? Brand new, they were still forty dollars cheaper than a brand new pair of jeans. Thank you. So I looked at it and I said, "Man, you know, I can't get that many outfits out of this because they all white." But you can get thousand outfits out of all white shoes. What you but, mean? All white horses? What you talking about? But but what I'm getting at is that was my mentality. I said, "Wait a minute, 
I'm gonna buy these shoes, but they only gonna come out for special occasions. Yeah. That was my mindset. That's still going, my mindset. When they get but, the blue, they gonna throw your drip off. What you mean? <laughs> hey, they turn blue, and I always got something blue, so I'll be all right. You still got them? Heck yeah, they ain't going nowhere. Oh, okay, you gonna have to, next time. Next time you come down to the city, you gonna have to wear them bad babies. We get, we gonna go to a glow party in them bad. <laughs> so, hey, 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 hey. Uh, I, as long as they don't stuff them, we good. <laughs> hey, man, right? Do what you do. You know what I'm saying? Black as long as they don't stuff them, we good. But uh, hey, it's blue. You know what I'm saying? Oh, that's my shoes. No. But the the, the point I was trying, to, but the point I was trying to get out to uh that that I was trying to get across to them was was that I'm teaching you how to change your thinking because you want those pair of shoes, but I want you to understand I'm teaching you financial savvy at an early age. Gotcha. The reason why I'm showing you this is because it's okay to have nice things. I'm not saying you can't have nice things. Yeah. But the thing I explained to them was I said. You guys are asking for, you know, $200 pair of shoes. I said, I can afford $200 pair of shoes, but I don't buy $200 pair of shoes all the time. The reason being is because how often, yet again, are you going to wear those shoes? Firstly. Secondly, are you actually going to continue keeping up this habit? Because mm. if you start it, you're going to want to maintain it. Or you gonna be the one that's obsessed with every pair of Jordans that comes out, or you probably have to have keep up with the Joneses and everything. Exactly. So my concept of them was: I say, do you like the shoe? or Do you like the color scheme? Hmm. Drop that on them. It's like I like the color scheme. I said, okay, y'all like the color scheme. All right. Well, let's do this then. I said, how about we go to another store? And let's find a pair of shoes with that same color scheme that cost you mm. half as much that are still mm. comfortable and name brand. I see how now, you do. Now you were getting across to them. They don't understand because they was too young to understand the Foot Locker sale when we was in junior high, two for 89. They don't understand that concept. But I'm sitting there explaining to them, hey, this is a way that y'all can get more outfits out than a little bit. Now, you don't have to do this but i said i want y'all to understand you can have both quality and quantity mm. i said there's nothing wrong with a pair of vans a pair of reeboks a pair of adidas a pair of pumas you don't have to wear jordans all the time no. where which where what you're comfortable wearing if you're and i'm just saying the older i get bro i look at it as i'm gonna buy what i want to buy within reason yeah. but i said the same guy that can put on a collar shirt and go to work with some khakis or some slacks and some nice boots. I'm the same guy that can wear that wear that to work. But I'm also the same guy that's comfortable wearing a t-shirt, some cargo shorts, and a decent pair of shoes. Okay, cargo that I got his knees out. Okay. But I'm just, it's just a <laughs> point. It's just a point, man. No, I feel you. You but it's the point. Why spend all that money to impress somebody else? Bruh, I said, nah, are you comfortable? Are you comfortable with what you got on and saying, you know what? I don't have to have Jays to be the flyest person in here. It's a mindset. It is, man. I promise it is you. It's a is. mindset. And if more people that are our color 
understand that at an early age, it will help them so much financially. It's about building. First off, it helps you build confidence. Second off, it starts a good habit financially because it's a real life way of showing you how much your money can stretch. Yeah, I, I feel like this because that's something I, I plan on. I want to try and do that too. Um, I'm kind of getting into the space where I'll be able to do it, but I want to show people how to how to and where to. Well, it's, I'm not even gonna lie and ask like it's my idea, but my wife wants to start something where she shows people where to shop and where to go to you know look fly, but for lack of better words, like on a budget. You know what I'm saying? Stock like, oh, yeah, yeah, a stock curator. Yeah, yeah, you know what I'm saying? Like, cause you can be, it's, it's a lot of times, like it's a lot of little stuff that I see her in and it don't cost that much. Or, you know, yep. I, I know it's, it's a time where I had on like some Nikes, it was like $80, all black. And everything else that I had was from Ross or TJ Maxx. You know Bro. what I'm saying? For like, Bro. for like under, like everything I had on all together was like, a little over a little over a hundred dollars, like everything all together. My, the most, my socks to my shoes to my pants to my drawers to my shirt to the jacket. Yup. Yup. Bro. Everything under 120, realize, bro. Bro, people fail to realize you go in, you go in these stores and you really be sleeping on stuff. You don't have to necessarily have name brand because it's the thing. People fail to realize celebrities are getting endorsements. To wear Chanel, yep. they're getting endorsements to wear Gucci. They getting paid. Catch them slipping, catch them slipping just come out of their house going to the grocery store. They gonna yep. have walk. TJ, somebody said they gonna have some Target on. Bet money. It's a lot of celebrities that say, "Bro, I wear my Target this and my Target that all the time." Oh, I, bro! I and the, the killing part is, is that you're supposed to be buying a look. Target fire. The thing is, is the thing is, is that celebrities are trying to get you to buy these brands. I'm like, do you want the brand that they're wearing or do you just want the look that they're wearing? Right. I said, that that's really one thing. And it's it's a lesson that I think both women and young women and men can learn from. Yeah. Because I'm like, man, look, let's stop spending this money over here. Let's, let's start putting this money towards something else. Hmm. I'm not saying you can't treat yourself, but what's the point of buying a pair of shoes that you're going to be flying if you ain't got the rest of the outfit to go yep. with it. That's and, the first thing. And, and you can be halfway fly one time. Yeah. And then you also got to have money to go out, bro. So, and I, I, I get it. And I, I kind of gave this to somebody our age too, one of our classmates. So it was the same thing. I said, so I want to explain something to her. I say, ran into her at the gas station. So I say, hey, what's going on? She's like, it was, as a matter of fact, it was like right after we came back from uh, Chris Wedding, man. Uh, she was like, man, I love your pics in Florida. I was like, man, look, we went to a wedding. We had fun. I that. said, uh, we had fun. I said, now after that, I said, everybody else went back, but I was on vacation for like 10 days. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. You, you live your life. I was living my life. <laughs> you know, took a few other, you know, took a few other detours, did a couple yeah. things, did some, did some stuff like that too. But I came back. She was like, well, man, just bring me up. I say, man, I'll bring you a little souvenir or something like that. Uh, so yeah. wasn't that much, man. Yeah, Keychain, you, you know. Yeah, you know yeah. what I'm saying? But this was the thing. So she just started asking, 
you know, well, how much did it cost for you to go if you don't mind me asking? I say, well, you know, about this much, that much. He's like, that's yeah. a lot of money. I say, nah, it ain't a lot of money. Now you say, no, I'm going to tell you why it ain't a lot of money. And I explained to her, I said, how many times do you go out each month? She said, I go out probably every weekend. I say, we stay in Nagdish. I say, so I know you're not going out here. <laughs> so let's make that real clear. You're not going out in Nagdish. I said, you're going, out you're going Alexandria, Shreveport, Lafayette. Those are the three places you're going. So I said, uh, let's break this down real quick. How much does it generally cost for us to get into a party? Usually about $20 for a decent party. Let's make that fair, make that real simple. That's just to get into the party. That's just to get in. That's just to get in. Okay. Yeah, you, you thirsty when you get in? Wait, if it's been another 20, boy. Now, okay, since that's a girl, we ain't even gonna worry about that. We ain't even gonna worry about her even paying for her drinks because most men they gonna buy a drink for her. Man, okay, I, okay, I gotta throw this out there, man. I just yep. give females to buy my drinks. I'm just saying, I'm just different. I'm built different. I'm hey man, I don't, I don't buy drinks. Drink come with things. I'll let that be known up front. That, that 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 that's true. Fair point. Fair point. So let's 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 just say this though too. It don't. It, uh, what does it cost more to dress as a man or a woman? It costs more as a guy. It costs more as a guy. Yeah. However, we have the we have a way about changing certain things out. If you got a fly shirt and some decent kicks, mm -hmm. you can wear the same pair of pants probably about five times as long five as they time, man. You don't even know these pants. Shoes so fly. They don't even know. They uh, don't even know. Uh, Women on the other hand. They can get a cute outfit, but when you go out clubbing, you gotta buy an outfit every single time you get time. Hey, look, don't let a girl have the same outfit you got on. Oh, you gonna want to go home and change. You gonna not only that, you gonna get clowned if you go out. I'm just saying, if a woman goes out, in my opinion, three. If you go out between three to five times a month, you're gonna have on something different. Yeah. So let's every do time. the math. If your outfit costs you anywhere from twenty to thirty dollars, let's say your outfit costs you anywhere from twenty to thirty dollars. Nah, bro, it's way more than that. Oh, I'm or saying on the low. Oh, let's see about fifty. Let's say about fifty. Say fifty, because that's fifty let's, on the low end. 50. Let's do fifty on the low end. The basic that's a low end. That's a low end. You're right. I pay for some fits. Okay, you you right. You right. Fifty on the low end. Low end. That's just being generous, bro. So let's say $50 plus $20 to go to the party. Oh, guess what? Mm. You got to have your hair and your nails you done. You got to have your hair and your nails done. Depending, I look on what you want, depending on what you want done to your hair, that's anywhere between $60 to $200. Easy. And how long that style, style going to last? You, you, we ain't even worried about that because it ain't coming out of my pocket. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll go But look, the thing about it is, uh, we'll let's say that that 200, we'll take $200. Let's say yep. she get braids or whatever. So we'll say $200 <laughs> and that'll last for, you know, the month or maybe two months. Okay. Let, it, let's say, let's say it, a month to make it easy. All right. Well, if, if you do that over the span of a year, you know what I'm saying? That's what? That's twenty four hundred dollars. Yeah, but but dig this though, bro. We ain't even gotta go that far, man. Let's just do it for that one month. Okay, 
$200 off top for the hair, right? Off rip. Off rip. $200, that covers your hair, that covers your style. $20 per party. You going out four weekends this month. That's $80, bro. That's $280. That's $280. You might as well up that to $300. Oh, guess what? I got to get my nails done. Your nails, just your hands, probably going to run you between $40 and $50. Oh, okay. Yeah. But if you're trying to get that many pity tip, 80 off rip. So we're gonna hit what 80. Foot, 80. Well, but we just we just gonna do we just gonna do the hands. Well, we're just gonna stick no, with we're gonna do hands. 80 because because yeah. this summer they trying to have hot girl summer, huh? You can't you can't have hot girl summer. You can't have your many you can't have your many right in your petty flaw. What you mean? That's true. 80 that's true. Okay, that's so that's we just gonna do 80. I didn't pay some nails too, but we're gonna we're gonna do 80. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, we let's do 80 and one refill. And one refill. One refill. One refill. That's twenty dollars. So that's for one. Is it twenty dollars for the hands and the feet each? Right. It depends on who you go to. You know. If okay. You, if you go regular it's at just, your, you know, you hit Mingling up, and she be like, you know, uh, I do your twenty dollars, and then she hook you up. You know, because I didn't, yeah. I didn't got a couple of, I can got a couple of pedicures myself. You know, what I'm saying, don't, don't, don't knock it till you try. Oh hell, I need to go I get, get another one, bro. I get everything. I get to get everything but the paint on my nails. The whole feeling of a pedicure is flames. And if you do, hey, 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 look, it, bro, don't I don't care what nobody say. I ain't knocking no pedicure, bro. I need these to get one, alligator man. feet. I need to go get one now. Hey, last year was tough, man. But I don't think I got a pedi all last year. Nope. One, two, three. Nope. Nope. I ain't got a pedi all last year. I hadn't either. Bro, I hadn't either. Part of that, that pandemic, or like a girl said, that panoramic had me shook, but I wasn't gonna go out nowhere and give me no pity. But I feel for a lot of those people. My fault. Let's finish out with our mail. You said you was okay. gonna get a $50 fit. This is this, the reason why I said it'd be more than $50. Because if a female go get a fit, let's say she's getting a dress, yeah. $50 is to dress by herself on the low end. If she's getting like a, a, a top, uh, a top and pants. Bro, that eighty dollars off rip, easy, and it's, yep. it's cheap. That's a cheap shirt and pants, and that's yep. the, and that's just the clothes, cause they're gonna have to get shoes or whatever that you know yep. on a low on a low end thirty forty dollars, and then they're gonna have to have some form of accessories, whether it's like a bracelet or like a necklace or something, and that's another fifteen twenty twenty five dollars. Per hold up, bro, but check this out. That's per each time they going out. And that's each time they're going out. Because so ain't no chick gonna get caught dead come going in in the same month, the same shit that she had on the first oh, weekend, yeah. the second weekend, yeah. or the third weekend. Bro, you sleep. Exactly. So we already right there. You looking at by what by seven, eight hundred dollars, right? Easily. Cause we is at four hundred. You can for one for one fit going out one time, you can easily just flush two hundred dollar drain. All so right, we're gonna we gonna, we gonna hit that with two hundred right there. That's six hundred. Let's let's hit that with two hundred right there. Then come on, two hundred for the hair. I'm finna say that's I already did two hundred for the hair, but that's two hundred. That's two hundred. If we doing this for the month, that's yeah. two hundred for going. How many times are they going out? Four. Four. They going plus out every week. Plus two hundred. Plus two hundred. Plus two hundred. Bro, that's a lot of money. You know how much money that is? That's thousand dollars right there. Bro, let me see. Let me share my screen with you. Let me share my. Oh, that's twelve hundred dollars right there. That's now, 
Now, now peep game on this, bro. Now, what I gave to her and I proposed to her was a real simple solution. Yeah. I say, you want to go out of town? I say, how about you? Oh, bro, we ain't even factor in. You know these ladies get hungry after the club. Oh, uh, why we showed it? We 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 gonna make it simple and say they going to IHOP and getting twenty dollars. I swear I swear to say IHOP. I swear I swear to say IHOP. We gonna say they going to IHOP and getting twenty dollars worth of food and they leaving. Nah, twenty five dollars because they got a tip. I believe in tipping. If if you if you out male or female, you go out with me and you don't tip, like I I see what kind of person you are. I can't. Yeah, you insulting. I can't be. Yeah, it's insulting. I I can I'll I'll say this. I'm not going to be the one that says, you know, now my thing is if I pick up something to go, I'm not going to tip them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, but if I put my tip. butt in one of their seats, they're going to get tipped. I'm going to tip, and now I'm going to tip accordingly. I sometimes tip on to go too. I, ain't, I can't even cap. I tip on to it, go sometimes too. Sometimes I do. Now, if it's a restaurant that I know I'm a consistent regular at, they take care of me every single time. Like, uh, the Cheesecake Bistro in Bozier before they shut it mm. down on the boardwalk. Yeah. I would come in there once a month after I hit my little bonus, order the same thing online, and I would always leave like a $3 tip. Yeah. Because I knew what I came, what what, I, what my order always came out to be was like 22 bucks. So I say $3 tip. I said, I'm going to get my same shit. I said, I'm going to get my, my same shrimp po' boy with fries, <laughs> and I'm going to get my cheesecake. That's all I need, bro. Yeah. I said, I'm going to leave you $3 tip. Now, if I'm feeling myself, I say, you know, I did not just good this month. I did incredible. So what I'm going to do? Oh, bro, I'm going to feast. I'm going to order my same thing. The only difference is I'm going to sit my butt in the chair, and I'm going to order alcoholic beverage this time. Ah, just, one. just one. Just one, though. Not not fun, but that 23 goes up to probably about 45. Now, that's just me being me. But yeah. like we were saying, we're gonna do $25. So 25 times that's a hundred then. That's thirteen hundred dollars, bro. Thirteen hundred dollars for the month just because you want to go out. Right. All right. Now, now how now, much how much how much an hour is this chick making? Because we got thirteen hundred. Oh, I have no idea. Right. I have no idea how much she's let's making. Let's say let's say she's doing above minimum. Minimum wage still seven twenty five. Been seven twenty five for a little minute now. So let's yeah. say, I she, say they probably let's say she's making fourteen. Yeah, let's say she's making fourteen. A forty hour week at fourteen. It's uh five sixty a week. So um a month that's twenty two forty minus your thirteen. It's nine forty. So where you where you living at? Where uh, what kind of car you driving? If you got you know car note, even if you ain't got a car note, you got car insurance. Do you got kids? Do they need to eat? Do you got a cell phone? Do you talk They're on nine forty? They're nine forty. Well, nine forty look crazy quick. Yeah, and, and it's like you're, and, and that's the thing I was getting the thing I was getting the point to. Where I said, do you really have to go My out there? I said no. I said, honestly, I want to ask you this question. And I asked her, I say, what do you get from going out? He couldn't give me a solid answer. She was like, well, I just want to do it just because. I say, well, are you trying to look for a man? 
I said, and uh, so, are you attracting? I'm, and I asked her, I said, if you are where you're at, have you been attracting where you're going? Has that been attracting the type of man that you see yourself being with? Yeah. She said, no. I said, okay. But you see, I traveled, right? Uh-huh. I said, you know, I'm never in town before I took the route that I have now. So I explained to her, I said, I'm in and out of town because of how I work. I said, you're going, and I said, I'm getting paid, not just while I'm on the clock. I was getting a mileage reimbursement at that point. So I was literally living off my (laughs) mileage reimbursement and saving my actual regular check. Yeah. So I was able to say, you know, when I go on vacation, I can do X, Y, and Z. But that $1,300 that she was spending, I showed her, I said, how much you think a flight is so let's just say Miami or Atlanta. She's like, and we talk pre COVID. We talk pre COVID because it's pre COVID because right now these flights dirt cheap. I might be, I might be in Miami come two, next month. Two Happy Meals. It costs two Happy Meals get Miami, boy. What man? The hotel rooms all cheap and stuff too. But this is pre COVID, yeah. so you can go out and do some things. And I'm like, well, you know, I made a suggestion. I say, well, you say you want to get out, and I try to tell. I say you can't go to Texas and call it a vacation because. You always go to Texas. We say can't call. And that's, I ain't that's trying to be funny or nothing, but that's what we doing funny. though. But this is the thing that, and the thing about it is, we're in Louisiana. That's right next door. There's nothing wrong with you going to visit your people in Houston or going to visit your people in Dallas. But that's a weekend trip. I don't necessarily call that a vacation. Now, to each his own. Not knocking nobody, but you saw you you saw me at the beach. You saw us at the beach. So you trying to get to the beach? Yeah. So, point I was getting to it was you just spent 1300 bucks now that may have not been her budget but I explained to her if you went out maybe twice a month instead of four times a month or oh, one time money. a month or well, one time a month I said if you went out one time a month instead of four times a month you have the money for your ticket and your hotel room within one of your paychecks. Easily. Once, and she did, she actually listened to me. And within three weeks, she said, you know what? I really don't have to go out that much. I say, so how much money you got saved? She was like, I got enough to do what I want to do. Just, and then, so I was like, well, what do you want to do? I want to go to the beach. I want to get on jet skis. I want to do this and that. I was like, so, okay, that's cool. Uh, you got anybody that you taking with you? She's like, no. I said, people may say they want to go with me, but no, 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 no. The point I'm getting at is financially taken with her is what I was asking. Oh. She's like, no. I said, so y'all going to do a girl's trip? She's like, yeah, we're going to do a girl's trip. And I told these heifers her exact words. I told these heifers the same thing you told me. Do you really have to go out that many times out of the month? Yeah. What are we getting out of? Because it? it's something to do. Well, a something to do should be trying to make your money stretch or grow your money. So if we ain't trying to grow our money, do we really want to be sitting out going to these same clubs with these same tired men that ain't doing nothing for us? Or do we want to go out and experience the world by saving a little bit of our money? We still can be the baddest chicks that walk in there on occasion instead of being a regular that's how we had to approach that and somebody 
it was just not necessarily a mentoring thing, but it was more so of changing somebody's dynamic on how they thought about what they were doing with their money. I was going to say, because you, you already know for a fact, especially depending on the age group or the person that you're talking to, they either haven't lived as much life or seen as many things. And, you know, they're, they're, they're thinking about stuff in a different way, like either what they've seen on TV or from what they think that they see on another person, because, you know, a lot of people can see the stuff that you do or the stuff that I did, like exactly like this example, and see that, oh, he was in Florida for 10 days and don't understand the grind and the saving and discipline you had to uh, to get to that spot, to get to that bro, you know what I, I'm Bro, I worked 29 days straight before I got them 10 days off like that. I believe you. I believe you. I worked 29 days straight, and I had to tell them, hey, I couldn't get to everything. It was like, look, I called my supervisor at the time, and I told her, I said, I couldn't get to everything. Now, I've worked four stores a day. I got a flight I got to catch at like 7 o'clock in the morning. So uh, she's like, don't worry about it. She's like, she's like, turn your work phone off. Enjoy your vacation. We'll have your promotion paperwork. We're going to do this promotion paperwork while you're on vacation. We're not going to call you until the day before your vacation is up. To let you know if we agree, if you agree with what we, you know, discuss and stuff for? like that. What we looking for? Do you agree on the rate you finna get paid? I was like, oh yeah, I looked. I say this is nice. Yeah. And I couldn't complain about it one bit. I literally could not complain about it one bit. And I said, you know, that's good and all. At that point in time of my life, that was good for me. Yeah. And I say, now don't get me wrong. I'm still with the company. Don't get it twisted. Your boy's still slinging Oreos like ain't nothing ah. changed. <laughs> Gotta be, man. I'm out here like Oscar Proud, but my snacks actually taste good. Literally. But the point I'm getting, the point I'm really getting at is, is that uh, I've had people mentor me and I said, I just want to pass that knowledge on to somebody else because I don't feel like you need to crash and burn through experience all the time. Yeah. That I don't want you to go broke just trying to impress somebody or just so you can hang out. Some days it's going to be okay to say, you know, I'm just fine with not going out tonight. You don't have to be 100% homebody, but you do need to get out and live a little. You got to treat yourself accordingly. Yeah. Now, I'm not telling anybody how to live their life by far, not at all. But all I'm saying is think a little bit more how you want to spend your money. I said, now, don't get me wrong. I'll spend a good money on a good experience. I'll yeah. say that. But I don't want the same experience every single weekend because that's what she was getting. And she got nothing out of it. I'm going to say, because ain't that the question that you asked her, you know, like what you getting out of this? And like, that's, she pretty much wouldn't get anything. Exactly. And that's the thing. What do you want out of this? I mean, I'm sitting here having this conversation with her and I'm like, she what you want sure. out of this? Exactly. I said, what do you want out of this? And if you can tell me what you want out of this, I said, if you're getting something out of it, I said, if you're getting something out of my conversation with you, 
that is great. But if you're not, I said, you know, I've known you for about 15 years. You know, you stayed right up the street from me. Yeah. But it was the point. I said, all I want you to do is be happy and don't think you can't do nothing. Yeah. You know, sometimes you just might need somebody to hold your hand and guide you just a little bit and then let you go on right. about your way. That's all you need. Because we much. always talk about, let's give them, the, you know, let me put you on game. Speaking of, speaking of putting people on game or whatever, we can roll into the next subject uh, yeah. as far as that, which is first job and the experiences there. Um, I got, I didn't know I was as green as I was when I got my first job uh, because I got my first real job that you get a real check that they send you in when I was 14 at Pizza Hut. You know, it's ironic, ironic enough, went full circle. Answer Pizza Hut tonight, was talking about but um, I'll let you go. I'll let you go into yours first or whatever. I go second. All right, bro. Uh, I started working for Brookshire's. I don't work for them anymore, but I still work with them with my company. I worked for them. I actually started applying for a job like before I turned 16. Mm. And I came in. I basically dressed like I was looking for a job. Yeah. And that may not be the case today in most days. I don't look for a job in basketball shorts and a wife beater. Of course, yeah. don't do that. I mean, but I, you know, I had on some khakis, I had on my dress shoes, and I had on a decent polo shirt. Yeah. Went in there, said, Hey, can I talk? Can I have an application? Can I talk to the manager? You know, what do I need to do? And that may not be the trend or what they're doing now on your they first job. Me. I'm just saying that 16 yeah. for your first job, you know, you, you you know, they may not be doing that now. Yeah. But uh I came in and I got hired basically right on the spot. I did the interview like I think that Thursday after school. Yeah. And the guy told me to come back on my birthday. And I said, "Oh, Mr. Simino, Gave me my first job, man. Hmm. Uh, but he told me to come back on my birthday. And my mom was out in the car. She was like, well, what'd they tell you? I said, well, he told me to come back on my birthday. And I was like, man, I got the job. Because why else would he tell me to come back on my birthday? Yeah. Came back, told me to be there at like 10, 15. I got there a little early. I got there like at 10 o'clock. It's like, oh, yeah. yeah okay. I've been waiting on you, sir. Hmm. How long, how long was that span between that job interview and your birthday? Like two weeks, mm. like two weeks. I was like, look, by the time, and I went in there and I was basically as blunt as I could be. I say, hey, by the time, uh, I say, uh, the way I look at it is uh, by the time I, uh, you know, get through the hiring process and all that paperwork gets going, I'll be 16. Yeah. You know, so I looked at it as, hey, I'm going to shoot my shot. I need a job. And what year was this? I'll like 06, 07? This. Yeah, 06, I think. Was it 06? Yeah, it had to be 06. Uh, 05, 06. If you were 16, it might have been 05. When I graduated in 08, I was 18. Yeah, it might have been 05 then. And yeah, it had to be 05 because, yeah. yeah, that's right. My official start date was like January 06. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because you went so through a probationary period? Yeah, I was on that probationary yeah. period uh, because what they did was they had to wait back then they didn't do the training like 
at each individual store. They did like a bigger one where they trained like and they did all the paperwork. Yeah, they did like 20 people at a time in Shreveport. So I was technically working, but I wasn't on the schedule just yet until I had to do this little, basically the orientation class. They they paid you before the orientation class? What they did was they paid us for the orientation. I rolled with a guy up there and like they reimbursed him on gas. So it was cool. Came back the uh, same day, gave them the paperwork that they gave us at orientation. And I was like, all right, uh, here's your schedule. Here's your schedule. I need y'all here at this time. And they they trained me up. Uh, so, with. Oh, man. Well, minimum wage then was 515. Yep. Minimum wage was 515 then. Yep. And I remember because I was at Central playing on the football team. Well, I ain't going to say playing. I was basically on the bench, but I ain't. That's neither here nor there. But the but senior then, on the team was like, man, you got a job? I'm like, yeah, man, I got to own that Brooks's, man. Push your car. So I was like, man, how much you make if you own? I was like, man, 585. It was like, five. man, he balling. He yep. balling. Man, what, 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 what you doing? <laughs> he balling. I say, bro. Hey, you, you was balling, bro. What is you talking? He's like, dude, you know minimum wage is 515. I say, so <laughs> I was like, I'm balling to you. Cause I make seventy cents more than y'all. It's like, yep. To us, you are because I say, man, I'm not balling. I said I just started at a at a similar company that just paid their people a little bit more. But think about of, it. think about if you make what you make right now in 05. Oh, ball, but bro, man, I'm buying but, houses in Nagish. Man. If I was yeah, if I'm if I'm making now what I was making then, I mean if I'm if I could make then what I am making now, That's fifteen years ago, bro, I'd be balling like Ben Johnson, That's... man, before he passed, hey, <laughs> literally. I've... Now for y'all that for, for y'all that don't know, you know, we'll just say Ben Johnson was a pretty powerful black man who stayed in Natchitoches, and he was like one of the first black billionaires of the state. Yeah. Well, not billionaires, million millionaires. Let me correct myself. Millionaires. I you said millionaires, but your nose was stepping. Millionaires with an M. Millionaires with an M. Yeah. And with us being a red state, that does make a significant difference to be a millionaire and to be a black millionaire at that yeah. point in time. Yeah. So billionaire again. I, I that that's what the you may hear me use that reference. Maybe not quite a bit. But you may hear it a few. Hey, Black History Month, man. Use your references, man. Speak your truth. Talk your That's true. That's true. That's true. But the one thing I can say is with that job, I didn't have to necessarily humble myself. The reason being I didn't have to humble myself because during that interview, old man Semino asked me, uh, do you have any problem uh, helping people out? I'm like, well, what do you mean by that? Uh, well, you're going to be pushing carts, but you're going to be kind of catering to people. You're yeah. going to have to kind of talk to people, you know, greet them and stuff like that. Customer now, service skills. Customer service. And I'm like, I have, a, yeah, I have a grimace on my face all the time, but I'm the nicest person in the world. People say that, but I'm like, no, I really am. And I help any of them out there. Like, he looks so mean. I'm like, but I'm not mean. I said, I can't help it. I just got a stoic look on my face. But uh, 
he also asked, I said, well, what else do we have to do if I'm just bagging groceries? What are we doing between time? Oh, man, you'll have to clean up. You got a problem cleaning bathrooms? I'm like, I do it at home. Why would I have a problem cleaning bathrooms? I do it for free. Like, okay. I don't do it for pay. Yeah, I say, I say, yeah. Uh, what about uh, like sweeping and mopping? I said, mm, well, I mean, it's kind of part of cleaning up. I said, so you gonna pay me to do something that I already know how to do at home? <laughs> that was my mindset. That was my mindset, and that's still my well, mindset. My mama taught me how to do this. I'm like, my parents taught me how to clean up. You know, clean a bathroom. Now, what I will say is, despite what people can say. In public bathrooms, women are way worse than men, despite what people may say. Bruh, That's another Oh, I know you know, bro. Because I got this is the thing. Hold on. Let me, I don't mean to interject, but I mean to interject. Right I gotta throw this out there. Cause I got I got three sisters. I grew up in a house with about five or six women at any time, any given time. And they were no, they didn't get me prepared for the real world and how public women's restrooms are Ooh. because they kept the they kept the bathroom clean. You'll never know they have billion females that all share one bathroom. But in yep. the real world, out there in that world, bro, the girls' bathroom is the nastiest thing you have. Females out there in this world, they'll know, they'll tell you. They'll it's tell a you. freaking zoo, bro. If you it's got a freaking it, it, zoo. If you got an old lady or if you got a wife or something like that, ask her about the female's restroom. Or if you've done like LK or myself have done, you cleaned up a female restroom, bro. I'm not going to be too, uh, what's the word I'm looking for right now? Explicit. I'm going to be explicit. But I'm going to be ex descriptive but not explicit. When some of these ladies, Mother Nature visits them that <laughs> And uh, I get it. Some of them have accidents. But uh, for y'all, for some of them to miss the can completely, I don't want to be touching your bodily fluids uh, because so we too say lazy to wrap wrap tissue up and put it neatly in the trash can that was like presented that. for you. I say now I'm probably preaching to the choir for anybody that ever had to clean a women's bathroom in public. That is the most disgusting thing. Now, people can say what they want about men. Well, y'all can't aim. Y'all just pee on the floor. Oh, we sometimes. pee on the toilet. Boy, piss is, oh, piss the, is the height of of your nonsenseness in a male's restroom. Exactly. That's it. It's not paying attention. Because guess what? You're going to make sure it ain't. It's going to be everywhere but on you. Piss and, some, and, and somebody might have, you know, trying to hurry me get to the toilet or whatever to do something other than piss. And, and and catch the whole back, you know. You yeah, 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 yeah. You that, that, that's understandable. That's yeah. understandable. Sometimes, man, you ate, maybe you got some bad Mexican food, you know, <laughs> maybe you had some sour milk, and you 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 you, you know you had to my daily lactose. <laughs> you had to catch that hot seat real quick, man, and you, know, you, you you was trying to avoid them dingleberries in your butt, but you know what I'm saying. You, Having a few dingleberries in your butter, having a whole, <laughs> or having that waterfall come out your behind, that brown waterfall that that makes that basically happened to a few people. And but back, back back to the the topic is uh yeah, my fault, my fault, my fault. oh no 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 no, I think that needed to be said honestly. But uh back to the topic on that uh the thing is is that 
with, with our first, I think with my first job, man, uh, I, I learned a lot, but it, it didn't humble me because I was already humble to begin with on certain things. Yeah. I didn't have a problem cleaning the bathroom because it was something I'd done consistently. I didn't have a problem helping customers out because that's what I was there to be paid to do. Now, in the interview, my supervisor at the time was a store director and he did not lie to me. He told me what his expectations were and uh, he made it very clear what he needed done, what the company needed done. Yeah. And this is how you're going to make a living. Well, not necessarily make a living because they, they taught me as much as they could. And they knew I was going to going to college. They're like, Hey, if you ever need a job, you, you always come back here. And they kept their word on that. Even with the store manager changing several times, like I came back from college, had a different store manager. Hmm. Really, before we graduated high school, I had a different store manager. Because he transferred when you was at school. Uh, yeah. And then whenever you went back home, you know, you went back home. Yeah, I just transferred, you know, kind of back and forth. That was a good thing about working for that company. Yeah. And, uh, I was like, okay, I got a job. I said, I'll, I'll do whatever I need to do. And when I did get to ULM, because by that time, I learned how to do everything in the store pretty much, uh, you know, stock, I would help order. I would help our customers. Mm -hmm. I'd clean up. It really didn't matter. I was trained to be a manager yeah. because it's all my potential. And they were like, well, we may not, give him a management position but if one comes available this guy's going to be ready to take it giving me a backup plan that yeah. if, if something doesn't work out hey you're more than qualified to do any of these anything we throw at you you're going to be prepared for so That's what's up. i really appreciate what they imparted in me is not just working hard but also working smart I mean, yeah, you did have some politics involved. Yet again, like we say, that's going to be a whole oh, nother topic, whole nother day, whole nother podcast. Oh, bro. The politics but, at work. But what I can say is my first job taught me to work hard. It taught me that even though you may work hard, sometimes you may not be appreciated by what you're doing. And it also taught me, and this is the most important thing, somebody is always watching your work ethic. Always. When, always, you, when always. you are working, someone is always watching for your work ethic to see, is this person going to be available to help me and my team possibly mm -hmm. in the future? Because honestly, that's how I got the job I got now. They saw my work ethic at Brookshire's and they said, hey, we want you to come work for us. As a matter of fact, Little did I know, Kim, the girl that got me on, actually went to ULM with us. She was just a few years ahead of us. Oh, that's what's up. So I was like, oh, man, that that was really, really dope. And I said, man, you never know where those strings come from to actually help you along your way. So yeah. treat people right. And that in itself will kind of you know, help propel you. If you're doing what you're supposed to do, you're giving the effort, you're voicing your opinion on certain things, 
you're doing your level best, you'll get what you need. That's how I look at it. Now go ahead on you, bro, because that, that's pretty much what I absorbed from my first job, you know. Well, for me in my first job, um, again, I was 14. Uh, there's a lot of things going, a lot of things going on in my life around that time. It was 04. And um I couldn't get a job anywhere because I was freaking 14. Yeah. Um, I ended up putting in an application at Pizza Hut and I got a call back and they were like, you know, you don't have to be 14. All you got to do is get a worker's permit. I was like, I could do that. So I got a work permit and I started. The things that I learned in that period of time at that age, working in an environment with people, I was definitely the youngest person there. It literally everybody else was older. In college, um, out of college, older than college age, you know, 30s, 40s, worked at Pizza and um, I just learned how to move, for lack of better words, in a workplace with people that are um, older than you and they have uh, not necessarily a, a better lease or a better look on life, but have more life experiences than you do. And uh, I took that into you know, my own personal life and also I carried that with me as I as I went on you know and started working in other places you know and I still even use some of those different uh things mentalities and the way I thought and the things that I went through um like now in this current job role like whenever I either get new hires or, you know, if a management person gets, or an employee gets promoted to a management person, and I have to show them how to, you know, move as a management person when they've been, you know, employees the whole time. But um, yeah, Pizza was the first uh, job that I had, and I, I was there at 14, 15, 16. Uh, and at 17, I got promoted to uh, a shift lead or whatever. At 17, it's supposed to be 18, but I got promoted to shift lead. And the crazy thing about that is, is at after I became a shift lead in that management position, that was the last employee job that I had for like 13, 14 years. I was in management from then on, and that's what I went to school for or whatever, which is pretty dope to me. But uh, but yeah, I was in management the whole time from 17 to 30. And the, Recently, the second job that I got now is the first job in since I was that age uh, that I'm actually an employee, and it's really therapeutic to be an employee and not the boss. Man, look, you preaching to the choir because when I was a part timer before I became uh, a sales rep. I was like, oh man, all I got to do is put the stuff out on the shelf, man. I ain't got yeah. to deal with the headache of selling. I don't have to deal with the headache of management. I'm like, look, all I can, I'm like, I can't tell you what the sales rep's doing. I said, all I can do is come in and put the stuff on your shelf, you know, make it look good. And, you know, I can tell you what I'm doing. I can tell you what I'm doing. I said, I can't tell you what they're doing, but I'm going to tell you what I'm going to do. 
That's the only thing I could do at that point. Yeah. But being in a management position in a sense the way I am now, because I do have people that do work under me. I'm not their direct manager, but I do have to manage these accounts and these stores and say, hey, I need you to do this, this, and this in this store because I'm not going to be in every store every single day. So I do have to leave explanations. You know, I do have to leave uh, directions to doing, you know, for other people to follow. Yeah. And I have to, when they mess up, I've had to learn to say, man, how can you mess something up like this? It should be common sense. Common sense ain't all that common. This. Let's make that very It's not that common. Oh, did I disappear? I lean back. And I look at it as, man, this is, it's rough. I said, but being in that management role, like you said, you have to have a working relationship with upper management and the people on your level and the people that work underneath you. Yeah, I see. And it, it's it's yeah. like walking a tight line at the same time. You have to be impartial, and that's the biggest thing that most people fail to realize is that when you've been working with these same people, that now you have to be somewhat in charge of. It's different. It's different. I said you try and treat everybody the same. You have to. You have to be like, hey man, you. I'm holding you just as accountable as they're holding me. I can't hold your hand. If I ask you to do something, I need you to do it. I need you to do it because I'm telling you to do it, but I'm asking you in this particular way to say, Hey, I need you to do this right here. I said, I'm not one for shouting or anything like that. But I say, if it comes to a point to where I have to address something with you, I'm going to pull you aside. I'm not going to do it publicly. I'm not going to humiliate you or embarrass you. Now that's one of the, now that's one of the biggest things that I learned um, as a young management person is that the same energy the, the the same energy that people have when it's you know between you and a peers is totally different energy than they have whenever it's you you bring them to the side hey bro let's talk one on one I ain't trying to you know what I'm saying get on you in front of everybody and their mama I'm just trying to like us we need to have this conversation type deal you know. Yeah, that's, I agree. That's, that's one of the biggest things that it had for me. Yeah, I mean, because one thing, and you probably can relate to it as just as much as I can, is having to manage people that are older than you. That is mm. very difficult. We probably could do. Let's let's just say that for a whole nother episode. You want to add it? Let, let, let's say that for a whole nother episode. Yeah, I'm put that under work politics. Yeah, that's true. That's under work politics. That's that's pretty true. But uh, because I'm still doing that now, managing people that's old enough to be my grandma. Man, who you telling? All right, and uh, we're going to jump into the last but not least topic. Uh, uh is uh, understanding and accepting change. Um, I I can start off with that. Um, as far as understanding and accepting change. Um, over these last two or three years, um, have been the biggest changes in my life. Um, 
I do understand them. I do under accept them. Um, the 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 part as far as um, of it feeling, I don't want to say real, but for lack of better words, I don't I don't know the word to articulate it at this point. But again, like in the last two or three years, I've become a husband. I've become a father. Uh, I've become um, a full-time management person in my career path uh, and am now in a different tax bracket, you know, for lack of better words. Ooh, so yeah. all of those different um, changes I accept, but, you know, it's still, I don't want to say a level of comfortability or whatever, but um, like I can just say as far as like being a father, um, like it's one of the dopest experiences I've never even thought about really. And it's really, it's hard to explain, but I don't feel like a father yet. If that makes sense. I just yeah. feel like I'm saying, cause like he's such a cool dude, like, and you know, we play, of course I feed him and I change him just cause he can't do it for himself. You know, because once he gets to a point we can do stuff for ourselves, you know, he's going to do it, you know. Yeah. Um, he just, you know, he's just like a cool dude that I hang out with, you know. My wife, you know, me, us being married or whatever, I don't even see it as, uh, you know, I'm a husband and you're a wife. That, that whole dynamic part or whatever, you know, she's just like a, a extremely dope female that, you know, I know I don't have to wonder if she'll be there for me. She don't have to wonder if I'm gonna be there for her. Um, yeah. you know, we love each other, um, you know, through a lot of different things or whatever. Like the whole, as far as like the title, you know, of husband or whatever, you know, I guess I'm still getting, I don't, I don't, I won't even say getting used to that or whatever. It's just, I know it just doesn't seem real. It's feeling like a fantasy at this point, whatever. So, Maybe there might be a part of understanding the change. I, I know I accept it, but yeah. understanding it, I, I, I guess I could say it like this. Growing up and then just talking to people in life, they always made marriage seem like this big, horrible thing or having kids being this horrible thing. And it's not horrible at all. You know, That's because you got the right partner, bro. Yeah, you know, it's not horrible at all. And it's one of the most um exhilarating experiences that I've, that I've ever had one of the most fulfilling and whole experiences i've ever had in my life it's, it's been a pretty dope ride you know these past couple of years so um i guess understanding the change is 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 the thing i definitely accept it and embrace it but understanding it is is is, is the biggest thing i guess yeah <laughs> What you got? Well, I'll say, well, in the past couple of years, probably just last three, four years, uh, I've lost people that have been very important to me. Uh, probably the pillars that I've, you know, kind of not necessarily my biggest influences in my family, should I say. The past four to five years, I've lost my great grandmother who really just put me in the kitchen and just, I got my inspiration from her in the kitchen. 
I then lost my dad a few years later. Uh, and my dad, I, and I said it at, I mean, Heather can tell you because she was at the funeral. I lost one of my best friends. I didn't just bury my dad. I buried one of my best friends. And at first, I was kind of annoyed that my dad was kind of moving in with me because I'm like, man, you know, I've taken on this job. I'm the floating sales rep right now. I took the next step in a career path. And I said, you know, I'm doing pretty good for myself. I mean, I'm not on drugs. I got a decent job. I... I got another vehicle and I'm like thinking in my head, hey, I'm doing what I got to do and I'm going to be able to pay my way to go back to school pretty soon. Yeah. And then my dad's health took a turn. Uh, and I was like, well, let, let's see how this works. And eventually when push came to shove, my dad, he wasn't being, how can I say it? He didn't want to rely on me, but he kind of had to. Yeah. He, he didn't know how to word it to say, you know, he because he saw me maturing as a young man. And he'd always say, son, you, you, you got to do this. You got to go live your life. And I thought about it. I said, you know, everything happened for a reason. Had I not been around for my dad, I wouldn't have got the time with him that I did. I mean, me and my dad will argue. Well, I ain't going to say argue. We would debate. It's a huge difference between arguing and debate. Big difference. It could be about politics, religion, uh, sports. I still would get on him about them trash-ass cowboys. <laughs> it would not be a day if I didn't talk about him and them trash cowboys. But uh, I took my dad to his first NBA game. And my sisters, we experienced that on my birthday when I went to San Antonio together. Yeah. Uh, and I literally could say, I took my dad and my sisters and I gave them to that day, probably the best vacation that they had because they were younger then. Now they've still been to some other places, but I was like, man, you know, I'm not balling by far, no. But I gave my dad and my two younger sisters an experience that they can look back on and say, hey, we enjoyed this. Yeah. And as my as time went on, his health, it go up and down at seesaw. And eventually we we did end up losing him. But my dad never gave up. I mean, he, he didn't. And then after we kind of got over my dad, I ended up finding out my grandmother had a cancerous tumor and we just buried her uh right before thanksgiving hmm. so within four to five years i've buried probably four of three out of the five most influential people in my family in my life hmm. so it's like those pillars that have been kind of holding you up mentally that help you build the bridge it's like somebody is taking a sledgehammer and just breaking every single one of them down. Hmm. So in the past three or four years, well, four to five years, I've understood that things happen for a reason because I had to challenge myself to get up and go to work every day and say, hey, I can't control everything. I'm not a doctor. I'm not God. Yeah. 
all I can do is control what I can in all three of those situations. And uh, sitting there and absorbing and saying, okay, you got to be willing to accept help. And that was a lesson I felt like I learned from my dad because he was prideful. He didn't like asking for help. Yeah. He needed it. And he's like, I got to lean on my son. And I said, okay, he's leaning on me to that extent. He really needs some help. But he wasn't necessarily, he was comfortable with telling me things, but he was not comfortable being so dependent on me for certain things. You know what I'm saying? He doctor told him, hey, health's down. You can't work anymore. But your health wasn't to the point to where you still can't function. You're not in a wheelchair. Yeah. Your balance is pretty much off. You can't work heavy machinery. You don't supposed to be driving or nothing like that. But he still had a great quality of life before, yeah. uh, you know, he passed. So I looked at it as one. It's not letting go of. It's not letting go, but it's more so of accepting and moving on. It's taking losing all three of those people is absorbing and taking in everything that they taught me yeah, and learning from it and passing it on to the next person. So that next person, whether it be my sisters, some kid on the street, my nephews, or even if I got to reteach it to myself, mm. then I can look back and say, I don't just have you know, pictures of these people. I have fond memories of them. And there's no point of me standing here being in quicksand because they're not here with me anymore physically. They're yeah. here with me. They're in my heart. They're in my mind. It's a, not a day that goes by that I don't think about. But it's a matter of taking that step forward and having somebody to push you and say, hey, we not here but we don't want you to be standing mourning, you know, mourning over us to that extent. You have yeah. to take the step forward. And that step forward is, you know, finishing what I started, doing a career change, getting out of Louisiana like I've always planned to do. Don't get me wrong, love, love the boot, but the only thing we got going positive is food. Let's just make that real clear. Pretty much. Let's just make that real clear. But in all honesty, man, uh, it's not letting people go in that aspect, but it's letting them letting them go in a way to where you're not being held back by your own grief. Yeah, that's really what it is. Because I was grieving. It's like I didn't even get a chance to really grieve fully over my dad and then boom yeah my grandmother yeah and then not only that trying to be the person that i am and also trying to hold everybody else up i mean working trying to make sure my mom doesn't have a nervous breakdown you know trying to make sure my sisters are okay yeah you know just i stretched myself so thin 
what what I really saw in that period in time or whatever, after especially um, when I heard about your grandma and everything, you didn't even use the analogy like you used earlier today about your pillars or whatever. And that's immediately like when me and Heather was talking or whatever, I was like, dang, he losing, you know, the people in his life that hold him up. And you in turn in that process immediately turned into the person that your sisters, your mom, your brother needs, you know, to, to hold them up. You know what I'm saying? And uh, I was like, wow, that's a that's a, a real crazy transition because that you already were there or whatever to, you know, help support them and hold them up. But after those two extremely big losses in your family, you officially became a pillar in their lives, you know, which is a, a, a drastic change um, for anybody, you know what I'm saying, that I saw. And to see you, you know, not only step up to the plate and deal with it um, physically, mentally, and emotionally, like that's, that's dope. It's it take a real strong person to do that. You know, everybody not equipped to do that. So I do want to applaud you on that though. I appreciate it, bro. It ain't been easy, but it's just wrapping your head around it. And sometimes you just are thrust into a position to where, like my dad would say, God don't give you nothing that you can't handle. Yeah. So yeah. some some days it'd be stressful, but some days it'd be like, you know, it's still rewarding to say, hey, I helped this person do this or I just didn't, you know, sit there. You still got to live for yourself. But at the same time, if you're seeing somebody else just lean or just need that shoulder, I just can't leave them out there like that. Yeah, uh, especially, at, especially when they're your people, you know. Yeah, exactly. When they're your people. It's not necessarily me forcing myself to be put on a pedestal or anything like that. It's just that I felt like that I've always had a way of being and I'm struggling for words right now. It's like I'm fishing for vocabulary words. That's Man, not good. I can't say you missed the vocabulary. Yeah, it's like I'm I, I'm fishing for vocabulary words right now. Nah, it's understandable. But uh, I've always had a temperament about how I've done things. It's like I've always been impartial. And a lot of people will say the reason why they are comfortable talking to me about certain things is because I'm not, they feel like I'm not judging them. I'll tell them not necessarily what they want to hear, but what they need to hear. And I'm not going to sit here and cuss anybody out or anything like that. That's not how, you know, that's not how I've accustomed to do things. Not saying that I wouldn't if you approach me with that energy. But I, say, I try and look at I try and tell people to look at it from the other person's perspective and you need to find somewhere to meet in the middle. I try. Yeah. I've always tried to be diplomatic. Yeah. Now, certain things there is going to be no excuse for. And I tell people all the time, you know, some people say, oh, well, that's just how they is. Well, I'm like, look, if that's how they operate, they're choosing to remain the way they are. Yeah. So you have to ask yourself, do you want this type of toxicity? within your circle on a consistent basis. Yeah. And I said, I can enter, enter the room and I can say, okay, 
this is what the problem is. I said, if I can get your attention and I can keep your attention, if we can address the problem, what's your problem? What's your problem? Can we meet in the middle? Yeah. If you feel that I'm pushing you one way or the other, then that's fine. But I'm going to say what I have to say. And you can take it with whatever grains of salt you want to put it yeah. at. But I'm going to say what I got to say. And when I say what I got to say, I'm going to try to not necessarily appease both people, but I'm going to be temperamental. Mm -hmm. I'm going to be level-headed. And I'm going to try and be impartial. I said, now, if you can't get with that, then I feel like you don't want me to be in your corner because if you didn't want that, then you wouldn't call me over here because I'm not going to take a side. Yeah. I'm just going to tell you, this is what y'all choose to do. And this is what I think you should do. Now, I try and tell people to find a compromise. Compromise is where two parties meet somewhere in the middle. Nobody gets exactly what they want, but both both parties are slightly pissed off. Hmm. That's the perfect compromise because you're having to meet somewhere in the middle. Nobody gets 100% of what they want. Nobody's going to get 100% of what they want. And that's what a compromise is. So... I feel like me being put into that role and I was, wasn't even 30, wasn't even 30. I mean, I lost my dad, you know, and I was like, man, my dad's not even here for me to even turn 30. Yeah. I said, my grandma wasn't here when I turned 31, but I looked at it as, okay, I still got their memories. I'm like, I still got these lessons that they've shown me, whether they be good or bad. <laughs> Yeah, But uh, I looked at it as I'm saying, you know, let's go ahead and help from the my next. experiences with them. Let me pass this on to somebody else. If, yeah. if I can help somebody, I'm going to do it. And it don't necessarily have to be money. It don't necessarily have to be a whole bunch of time either. Sometimes a 10 minute conversation can change somebody from making a decisively wrong mistake in their life. True, true. If you're willing to take the time to do it, I think mentoring is definitely worth it. We need it in our community. Uh, we need more black men in general. Yeah, we 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 have to have more black I, men in our young helping our young I brothers feel, come up. I feel like this. I already know they're out there because I, of course, you and I, you know, our friends, our group are part of that young black man that, you know, can mentor and can help. I feel like there are a lot of us that can, but will we is the question. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, because there are a lot of successful young black men and older black men. I can say, especially in the area I'm in now, but in this country, period. You know, yeah. the thing about it is, is the spotlight is on those of us that aren't doing as well, that aren't doing as good, aren't making the best uh, decisions, you know. But if we were to refocus on the people that are doing good, are doing right, 
you know, statistics are, if you look at the real statistics, real statistics, go to blackstatistics.com and really look at those, we're doing a lot better than the media is portraying because they only want to portray a certain part of our demographic to keep pushing that narrative that we're less than or that we're not doing as much as or that we don't know as much as or that we're not trying to do you know as good as any other demographic and or race that's it's truly true. false and it's completely false uh, i just wish that we had the platform to change the narrative which hopefully you know if this spawns into you know something as great as i feel like it can you know we'll be able to change that narrative as far as young black men or just black men period you know so. yeah i agree bro because i mean you, and you said a mouthful on that because i feel like the reason why we are portrayed in such a way is because of the lack of independent media companies now because a lot of these media companies like newspapers they're all owned by you know there's no independence they're all owned by like major corporations yeah i can say got, somebody owns it somebody other owns it i mean you've got you've still got uh some credible newspapers such as the washington post the new york times you know the chicago tribune you do have some national newspapers that are independent the atlantic damn good read for anybody because they're gonna they're gonna give you the truth like burning man yeah that's true but the thing about it is is that uh nowadays we got a lot of people that and i'm i understand you got to make a living but there is no fact checking being done in media so yeah. that's why we have so many hey let me I mean, they want to be fast let, let me add that because that is definitely uh um dang, dang i just spelled fact f-a-c-t f-a-c-k-t <laughs> hey don't feel too bad man don't yeah, feel not, too bad i'm not i'm not the best speller but uh but yeah um i feel like that's a good um point right there for us to wrap it up i agree man that our dues um again it's been another um mainly meetings from the bros podcast um i said manly meetings manly mentals you know meeting podcast um again uh, i am harry wardlaw and that is looking mills up oh lk for short we're gonna go ahead and sign off all right bro all right bro